0: Welcome to Rage Mechanics, the information security podcast your mother warned you about. Good evening, everybody. Hey, wait a minute.
1: She didn't warn me about this.
0: Well, she should have.
1: Hmm. All right.
0: So, so I'm Todd. I'm Jordan.
1: Yeah, I'm Paul.
0: (laughs) 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 And welcome to the second episode of our... Information Security Podcast here, guys. So, yeah, guys, what's what's new with you this week?
2: Been really busy. Been really, really busy. Uh, attended a Next Generation Firewall class last week, which I think you attended in the fall?
0: Yeah, in December. Yeah, and
2: uh, Todd Lamley yeah, was the instructor, so that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed the class when we took it. Uh, yeah. Really hands-on, which was awesome.
2: Yeah, it was... Uh, it, I actually mentioned to some of the people that we that we work with and some of the other people that were in the class how that was one of the most detailed and um, engaging courses that I've been in in, in my professional career. But uh, um, it was yeah. funny when we when we uh, got to the very last day, um, we walked in and, and the first thing he says is, "All right, there's been a disaster. You lost your FTD, um, or sorry, you lost your FMC." You need to reconfigure your FTD and uh, deploy all your policies. He, he went through and blew out everything that we did all week. And he gave <laughs> us a uh, change window. He's like, you have to deploy everything at this time. You can't deploy outside of that. So all of your changes need to be made without deploying.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. So here's something I really respect, respect in a presenter or teacher that he was really good at. He'd lecture for a little while, and then he would look at everybody and go, okay. I got at least two people falling asleep. We're doing a lab.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He definitely did that. He kept everybody engaged. (laughs) That's really nice. It's really,
1: it's really, uh, it's really difficult to pay attention for longer than 30 minutes of drone speak. Oh yeah. Uh, there's so many courses where it's just listen to my speaking. Here's how you complete this in a different place. (laughs) <laughs> Not here because I didn't make labs available to you, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god!"
0: So that's one of the uh, that that class you mentioned the the course material in the beginning is being next gen firewall. Mm-hmm. I hate that freaking term. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so what what comes next? What, next what about next. when we get new firewalls? Right? Are they super new next gen?
1: Deep Space uh, Nine. Technically, it would be then Gen.
0: Then Gen. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: or, or I, I like that, Jordan. It would be the Deep Space Nine firewall. Yeah, <laughs> right after next gen.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a layer seven firewall.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was. It was pretty intense to see the capabilities um, that 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 brought to the table. I think the thing that was surprising though is with the and not to knock it, because don't get me wrong, the platform and the solution is incredibly powerful, but the amount of time it takes to deploy a policy or configuration change. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You would think if you're spending $2 million on some FTDs that you're, and licensing, that your your deployment speed would be you know, less than 30
0: seconds? Um, I'll tell you from personal experience that so the platform they were running on for the labs is all virtual. Um, if you spend the money, and actually do a hardware um <clears throat> fmc it's a lot better
2: oh okay well my, i mean that last, would make yeah sense.
0: at my last job we had a uh, we installed some of the the high-end firepower appliances 9300 something mm-hmm. and we had two um hardware fmcs and they it, it did not take it nearly that long to push out policies and they were big policy sets interesting
2: yeah, I mean that makes sense.
0: There was a bug in one version of the code, but that caused it to take forever. But they fixed it pretty quickly.
2: Hmm. But yeah, it was it was a good class. Todd's a great instructor, and he that the site that he set up, which is uh, lamley.com, um, the the videos and instructional material that he has on there. I mean, he's that dude's a encyclopedia.
0: I'm trying to think of how many... uh, He's written a crap ton of Cisco books. I've had several of his Cisco books. Um, I don't even know how many he's written up to this point.
2: (laughs) He's written the CCNA, the standard, the study guide that you get from... um,
0: Well, he's written several Cisco Press versions of it.
2: Yeah. No, but I'm trying to remember the, um, the publishing company. It's the same one that does... The study guide for ISC, um, the official study guide for them. So he did the CCENT, he did the CCNA.
1: You mean Wiley books?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yep.
1: <clears throat>
2: <clears throat> so he uh, he did pretty much every level of the Cisco certification. Um, he 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 wrote the book, um, <laughs> but he also has study guides for AWS, um, a few CompTIA certifications. Um, I don't remember what else. There's a couple of other ones, and then specific ones like you know Cisco Firepower.
1: What do the AWS books cover topic-wise? So I have solutions architect, or I didn't know he did AWS
0: stuff.
2: Yeah, I, it's, I noticed it on his website, but I didn't do as much of a de- of a deep dive as I did for the other ones. I can I'll log into his website to see, but um, I believe it's I believe it's. Um, let me see what it says. I'm actually—I'm no, not sure. I need to look. But yeah, he's a great class.
0: Looks like looks like forty something books, best I can figure.
2: Yeah, he's. That's what I meant by. I don't know if we can afford this guy.
0: Well, that's when you got to appeal to him and you know make it.
1: look like, like I hope people don't charge us to be guests on our podcast because
0: if it's any more than a six pack.
1: Uh, yeah, we're not gonna have any guests. <laughs> we'll never have to go past the free tier of our podcasting software. Do you, do you think he'll?
2: Do you think he'll accept that he will pay you an exposure?
1: <laughs> five yeah, exposures. I will pay in five exposures.
2: It's like Last Jedi. Mm, that's worth five portions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, don't mention any new Star Wars movie around, Todd. You'll be in trouble.
2: Uh-oh. I mean... <laughs>
0: you won't be in trouble. You just...
2: <laughs> I mean, I can understand. Spoiler alert. I can understand the whole thing with Snoke.
1: You know. Wait, what? What about Snoke?
2: Here's the most powerful Sith Lord that ever existed, and he's just... He's you hes undefeated. You can't defeat him. hes He's just... He's he's it. He's the Grand Poobah of Sith, I guess you can say.
1: Wait, what, did they, did they reveal that at some point? Because that's that's still under wraps on him, as far as I'm aware.
0: Maybe he should use some of his uh, um, limitless power to make the movies not suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough dark side for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but but <clears throat> legitimately, did 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 they? Uh, at some point, did did the uh, reveal escape me?
2: I thought that he was.
1: Or is this is this theory based? Are I you thought... theory crafting right now?
2: Is no, no, no. Is? I thought the the general. Maybe it wasn't canon, but I actually thought that Snoke was old revealed dude? to be uh, more powerful than Palpatine and Vader. But then, if you read if you read Darth Vader, there's no way that he's he's more powerful than him based on the comic um based on the comics that are out right now but I don't know. Yeah,
1: I I st- I still believe no one knows who Snoke is.
2: There was a theory going around for a while that he's actually um
1: like a, that he is
2: Palpatine in some form which I I don't I don't think that's true, but be interesting. Yeah, no, to
1: see. I thought I thought the the generally accepted theory is that he's Darth Plagueis.
2: Oh, okay. I thought, I didn't know that that had, uh, that that was announced. If he is, that'd be, that'd be actually. No, pretty. it's,
1: no, 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 no. Generally accepted theory. Yeah. Not, not revealed canon Snoke is Plagueis. Uh
0: okay. I'll propose a theory. You ready? No.
1: <laughs> What's your theory?
0: His actual name. <laughs> and this, this is kind of a stretch, but, you know, not, not really in the scheme of things. Um, he had a brother named Deagle. His name was Schmeagle. And he found a ring. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That made him really tall, but he was still ugly.
1: Stupid fat habits. <laughs> 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 This is great! This is great.
0: <laughs> so now that we've done really bad uh, impressions, <laughs> are we going to talk about some information security stuff? <laughs>
1: I could have segment of the information security <laughs> podcast that focuses on I mean, information security.
0: If you want to talk about how shitty the Star Wars movies have become, we can do that. We may right, need, let's, we let's, may need more time on our subscription here.
1: Let's veer away from this, please. Let's, let's just start moving into proper topics for our podcast. <laughs> uh, so
2: have you guys... Uh, have you guys know any been paying attention to the information security news like breaches or any breakthroughs or technologies that you want to bring up?
0: I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's not really important. What are we infosec professionals?
1: Yeah, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, you brought up uh, an interesting topic that you sent me the the link to this morning. Um, in in relation to Android, do you want to kind of start there? Oh
2: uh, uh, yeah, the. Um, so, it was announced uh, yesterday that um, Android 7.0, starting at Android 7.0, is FIDO2 certified. Um, so, for those of you that don't know, FIDO2 um, allows for passwordless authentication, um, where you would use your, your device to um, scan your fingerprint or your retina and then it would use that biometric information to authenticate you on the local device and then it would pass a public key to the website or um, application that you're trying to access whether it's on your Android or if it's within um, Chrome on your on your desktop or laptop and uh, rather than typing in a password you're essentially just you're using your phone as an authentication device so it brings a lot into um, it brings a lot of potential into the wearables uh, industry, and and I know that there's some capabilities right now that um, you can use your uh, your Android phones, and you can use your Apple devices to authenticate into your um, into Chrome and into applications like that. But this is actually using the biometric authentication mechanism on the phone in order to. Uh, permit you to access the site or or platform. It's actually pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the FIDO2 spec itself has been around for a little bit. Yeah. And really, it's, you know, you're using some kind of a token, whether it's a physical Bluetooth, USB, NFC token, um, or fingerprint, PIN, something like that. That's a separate authentication method. And then the FIDO portion of it is that it uses that one, once you're authenticated into Fido, it creates a public-private key pair for any, for every different site or authentication. So, once you log into Facebook, you've got a. It stores a private-public key set for key pair for you on that device with that token to that website.
2: Yeah.
1: So what you're saying is, I don't have to worry about my biometrics being stored somewhere else. Correct. Nope. Yeah, it, it never leaves your device, and I think that that's
2: that's probably going to be the biggest hurdle for people. Um, once this is embraced, I guess you could say, on a, on a more um, um, worldwide scale. I mean, it's available, but not many applications and sites are actually using this right now. This specific capability with Android devices, obviously, because it's brand new. But once it's pushed more, I think people are going to have a hard time jumping on that at first. And by people, I mean consumers, because they're nervous that, you know, their fingerprints and
1: their retina scans are being passed. You know, I I would say that I would agree with that if if it was like five years ago, but Nowadays people send their DNA in to find out what type of food they this should eat true. to lose weight. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, what 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 can I eat that would help me lose weight?" They're like, "All right, let's go down the list. Is donuts in there?" <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like, is donuts you pay, any
1: of the people we tested? You you paid $99 to find out that you shouldn't eat donuts to lose <laughs> weight. That's fantastic. Well, what what they're, can they're, you eat? Broccoli. Oh, that's amazing. This, that's is, amazing a very, look at, that. this is perfect. <laughs> My DNA states I should eat healthy. Oh, that's great.
0: <laughs> Your DNA says you're allergic to peanuts. Yeah, anaphylactic shock told me that when I was seven. <laughs> Glad I spent ninety nine dollars.
1: Yeah, that was the best ninety nine dollars I've ever spent sending my information to China. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think that most people—that's not even going to be a you know a thought. Yeah, they're not going to care.
1: Hmm.
0: And some, pe- and, some
1: people might worry about it, but
0: well, some people will, but. The, the masses will not. The masses are going to say, Oh, Sweet. cool. I don't have to make up bad passwords anymore.
1: When can I use my face?
0: Yeah, right? See, I, I when can I, when can I use my face? I use my fingerprint on the phone all the time. Yeah. I don't like face unlock. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, no thanks. Because I could be passed out drunk on the couch and have somebody unlock my phone just by holding it in front of my face. You know. So,
1: well, I mean... Yeah, but the, you can also put your finger on it.
0: Well, but there's a, you, you got to touch me for But then they have to touch you.
1: Yeah, they have to touch you.
2: For that. Yeah, my my wife actually got a um, a new iPhone, and it doesn't have the the uh, fingerprint scanner on it, and so all it has is the facial recognition. Oh no! And they don't have a done, fingerprint scanner anymore. No, no, not on no, the. They keep, uh, they keep
1: removing everything. Yep. Eventually, you're just gonna have your hand. <laughs> you're gonna install apps on your hand. Dude, the hell, dude, dude. Hello. Yes, I'm on my new handphone.
0: Thank <laughs> you. The uh, the OnePlus Six T that just came out. The fingerprint scanner is in the screen. It's yeah, built it's in into the screen.
2: screen. That's the new one. Yeah, that's cool. I think. Um, I don't know how they're doing it for. Did you guys happen to see the 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 foldable phones that just came out from like Samsung? Samsung. Yeah.
0: I didn't look real closely at them yet.
2: There's a couple of companies that put them out, um, but um, the one from yeah, Samsung. Is...
0: Samsung and was it Xiaomi?
2: Jummy and then uh, Paul. You always Huawei.
0: Yeah, Huawei. You yeah, said it right. Huawei, yeah, Huawei. Huawei.
2: They 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 released one too, but I don't know how they're doing it on those phones. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they bring anything new,
0: like you know, hand scanning. I don't know what the point is well, with the folding phone.
1: It's yeah. so you can fold it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I mean, when that that's when that, about it. when that Samsung phone
2: is folded, it's a brick. Thing. It's not. It's, it's not. It's compact. not compact. No, no, man. it's like an old Nokia.
1: <laughs> it's way bigger than an old Nokia. <laughs> Todd, Todd, do you remember that time Martin had that giant phone? And we used to make fun of him and call. We said he had a monitor in his pocket all the time.
0: (laughs) We'd pick up a widescreen monitor and hold it up like a phone. (laughs) It was
1: amazing. I feel like you could do that with the new Samsung phones. You Mm -hmm. just go over. You go over like a building, pull a brick out, and be like, "Hey, I got the new Samsung phone. How can I help you?"
2: The thing that is cool about it, though, is that it, it when you unfold it and you have the larger screen, you're able to multitask with uh, three apps now. And the transition between the folded screen and the larger screen is, in the demonstration, was uh, completely seamless. I mean, it was awesome. You would have, like, a YouTube video or a messaging. Um, well, a YouTube would probably be the best thing to reference, but they have a YouTube video on the smaller screen, and when you open it, It immediately goes to full screen, playing from where you left off when it was folded. Like it's, it's, it is pretty cool, but I don't know. It's. I think it's more of a demonstration piece. Look what we can do now. We can bend screens. I'm not sure if the foldable phone thing will stick around. No,
0: I think what'll be cool is once they get the flexible screen working well, will be to use screens like that in. Clothing or you know non uniform surfaces.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Imagine the whole dashboard. Those snap bracelets. Yeah. Right. Imagine a snap bracelet that's an LED screen, or you know, you know, like just crazy.
2: There was a um, a video a couple of years ago that was released by Corning. Um, I think it was called a day a day of glass or something like that, and it showed all of these technologies that were coming out years ago that they were just beginning to work on um where it showed things like what you just brought up todd with a a non-uniform surface so they showed things like a dashboard in in a car where the whole dashboard changed and became a a display um and they showed uh interactive glass and things like that but it was yeah it's it's pretty cool to see where it can go but i i don't know how long the foldable phone will actually be a thing but we'll we'll see Hmm. but it was pretty cool yeah but
0: yeah yeah I like the uh, I like the adoption of Fido two here on uh, Android devices. I think it's a I've been waiting for it to be readily available and readily used. Now it just needs to be adopted by uh, yeah. by providers, by website well, developers, and things like that. So
1: I guess one of the things you call you also kind of have to tie into it. Speaking to not only that, but our Samsung conversation, not not to mention it being, in you know. Uh, Introduced into wearables, I mean the the IoT spectrum, right? It's kind of <laughs> I say kind of not secure, but it's totally.
0: <laughs> this brings it's a whole a... new world of it's IoT to- devices. Actually,
1: totally not secure whatsoever. Um, so a can that be applied in a different sense, right? From a maybe from a hardware perspective, um. But B, uh, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but there is a new way you can protect your IoT devices, or supposed to be, at least.
2: And it's not Kujo?
1: No, uh, believe it or not, it's not. <laughs> it's not the device that was end of life randomly. Yeah. Um, it's a new a new framework that. Uh, ARM, or ARM, or whatever you want to say, uh, they're coming out with a new platform security architecture is what they're calling it. And it's supposed to be a framework, a certification program, uh, uh, testing, pretty much anything you can think of in relation to IoT. And they're trying to make it industry-wide. They're trying to get people to adopt it. And I guess they just released it today. Because I just saw it today.
2: Did they release uh, the actual control set and specifications, or did they just announced that it's being developed?
1: I, I don't know. Um,
2: Is I it?
0: Haven't... It's probably just things like make users set a password on <laughs> the device. No, 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 no. If I mean, you they... put a microphone. In your security system, you must, you must list it on the spec sheet.
1: So they have a new. I do, they do. I do see here they have like a threat model and security analysis. So they have a system description, smart metering, assets metering to be protected in integrity and confidentiality, threats, remote software attacks, security objectives, strong crypto, security requirements, hardware-based key store. Um, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that they're. That they're really looking into this. This looks very well done, and I can put the link to exactly what this is in our in our blog post, All Right. so that cool. everyone can everyone can take a look at it. Uh, there is a for you to get the white paper though. It's kind of a pain in the butt. to make you sign up with a with a email address and. I'll just use yours.
0: Yeah, just use mine. Use Gorilla Mail, man. Well that's cool. I mean I, I I how many smart devices do you guys have? I re- you know as far as like home automation stuff, I don't have squat.
2: Yeah. I, I, mm. oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> From home automation, I have uh, four four light bulbs. Okay. From smart devices, I have my TV, and I mean, it de- how would you define that?
0: Well, I, I mean, but, more like home automation, IoT, yeah. not, not not like a smart TV with its uh, Roku player. Yeah,
2: so then I guess you could, yeah, I would, home uh, automation, I have four light bulbs. Um, I, I would I'm,
1: argue that that's part of the IoT.
2: Oh, it's definitely part of IoT. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would agree. Smart that's TV why I said you gotta define that.
1: IOT. I, I would say anything mm-hmm. and everything that connects to the net uh, through a network connection or any other means whatever other means there could be. Um, Anything that touches it that's not a PC um, or or, or anything like that.
0: Well, but Um, see, I I would think of a smart TV as being... Exploitable? No, it's (laughs) definitely exploitable, but what can you do if you exploit that particular device?
2: Depends on how you have it on your... Play videos?
0: Um,
1: well, well
2: you, yeah.
0: could,
1: you could you could use it as a pivot point.
0: You can use it as that particular device. With that device being compromised, what can be done?
1: That particular device. Annoying. Right. Depends on if there's a camera in the TV. Okay. Um, you could play child porn on someone's television. Sure. Um, you could store child porn on that television and report them to the FBI.
0: So those are all things that are that can be done with a computer.
1: Right. No. Of course. Of course.
0: So I'm think when I think IoT, I think of a device that has a primary purpose other than being a PC, a fridge, a light bulb.
1: Well, a smart. TV. A well, a smart TV. I mean, that's.
0: Well, oh, but you always have some kind of an output device to put video and audio to your TV. It's a video and audio source.
1: Right.
2: Oh, but if a smart T V has it built in though. So if you have a, a smart T V that comes with Netflix, that comes with oh, you know, yeah, we're Facebook speaking... and things like that, yeah. it's, and you know, like my T V has Amazon shopping, Facebook, YouTube.
1: And A, they're they're almost never updated. Yeah. Right? B they're always <clears throat> connected. Uh, they can be used as listening devices in the home. Not yep. that everybody doesn't have listening devices in their pocket, but Um, they can be very vulnerable and very easily exploited
0: no I'm not I'm not arguing that but I guess my I was just thinking more in the lines of home automation devices you know a smart fridge smart light bulbs alarm system thermostats doors you know things like that
1: That just goes to say how well integrated smart TVs are into your home. They're no longer an IoT device to you, Dog. They are just a regular TV.
2: You know, it's funny. We talk about how they're vulnerable. <laughs> it's a Linux media uh... player. That's what I see. As. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my uh, my TV is a. It's a Sony. I don't think it's a Bravia, but anyways, it's it's a Sony or a Vizio, excuse me, and um, it constantly broadcasts a an SSID that they tell me is used for the remote. And I told them, I said, well, the remote is infrared. So what is this used for?
0: No, it's, it's Wi-Fi Direct. Roku does that too. This, the remote's are Wi-Fi Direct.
2: But there's no remote that I've used that does that. I've never had to. It uses it. So when I asked them about it, they said that when you set up your TV, you have to set up the Wi-Fi Direct remote. And I said, well, I never had that. And so when I asked him more about it, it uses a four-digit code that you type in a numeric code, it's not alpha numeric, a four-digit numeric code, um, to sync your remote with the TV. I've never had to do that, but it constantly broadcasts, and I've been trying to figure out how to break into it, but haven't really dedicated a lot of time to doing it yet. But I, yeah, you
0: don't
1: want to break your TV. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and I always, I, I kind of with. Was any of those automation type devices I weigh out how much convenience am I really going to get for number one, for the cost because I'm a cheapskate (laughs) and number two, the, for the security risk, you know, how hard is it for me to reach over and turn on a light bulb? Eh, Not very. How hard is it for me to adjust my thermostat? Um, The number of times I've adjusted my thermostat in the last six months uh when the ac guy was here working on it
2: i will say one thing about that i wish we had a uh, i'm we actually have a programmable one but it's not not one that connects to the to the yeah mine's programmable um, exactly and that's how i avoided getting like a nest or something like that um but the amount of money that you save using that oh
0: well there's yeah there's always somebody home at my house so Yeah, it pretty much always stays at the same setting. Oh, okay, yeah. But even if so, I mean, it's it. Mine's programmable, so you know when we were all gone for certain periods of time. Yeah, sure. I'll set it to change temp when nobody's here. But I don't need it to be. I don't need to change the temperature in my house from New Jersey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some built-in functionality like with the light bulbs, but I know that Nest has it too, so that. When they detect that you're, you know, X mile, X amount of miles away from your home, they'll switch to a, like, the lights will start to come on or the temperature will start to adjust so that by the time you get home, everything's right where you want it. And that's that, to me, that's just like, cool. It's cool, but no, thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, I can tell you from the perspective of being a new dad, Mm -hmm. all of those tools are very beneficial. So, to speak to your comment about the, You know, turning on the light. Well, what if you have to turn the light on to the baby's room from across the house before you get there because your hands are full and covered in poop? Um, (laughs) The other piece is, you know, you want to come home and you want to be able to carry the baby into the house where it's light in your house, but you were gone for a significant portion of the day, so you didn't want to leave your lights on. Uh, So it can sense, you know, via GPS that you're 500 feet from your house guess what all your lights turn on um, there there's a lot of benefit to that uh, it's it's really easy to play music for your baby when they're when they're crying um, there, 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 there are benefits
0: um, oh, I, mean, I definitely can see the convenience in it I just for me
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah the, it's, it's, the it's, it's risk
0: of it is the risk and the cost of it is not worth it.
1: Yeah, you just have to isolate your IoT, and you'll be okay.
2: Now, when you look at like the wearables, though, um, because those would be considered IoT devices as well. Some of those, I definitely see the value in. Which, which, Paul, you can speak to the. Uh, I think it's the outlet that you
1: guys got. Yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah that that that's probably one of the big things that that I would consider. Um, do you know what that is, Todd? No. What is this? Paul, you want to? Okay, so it's it's a little it's a little um, monitoring device that you put on your your baby. I think it goes on their foot, yep. and it communicates with an app um, on your phones. And if the baby's blood oxygen level or uh, heartbeat gets below a certain point, it sets off an alarm so that you can get to them quicker. And this is for things like you know SIDS, and for if the baby's laying on its tummy, if it's not if it's not breathing, or something's happening, it alerts you so that you can react. Hmm. So that yeah, I get. And that. It, mon-
1: I... it monitors the blood oxygen level and heart rate. Yep. And they have safe levels. If the baby's heart rate drops below, I think it's uh, 60 beats per minute, then the alarm goes off. And if the oxygen level gets below 80%, also uh, sets off the alarm. It's, it's very nice. Um, we've had a few. We don't know if it was a false positive or not, but. Uh, we've had the alarm go off on us one time and it was extremely scary however I'm so glad that we had it because I don't know if she had maybe stopped breathing or if she wasn't getting enough oxygen or whatever causes SIDS which they still have no real idea Um, it could have been that and us freaking out may have woke her up or snapped her out of it or You know, she might she might have just been breathing too slowly. Um, So whatever it was, it's only happened once. It's it's. (laughs) I'm just very glad we had it because who knows if that would have been if that was real or not. I can't tell you if that was real or not. Um, I can't tell you if maybe it fell off her. You know, it was falling off her foot or whatever the case is. But that was probably one of the scariest. But happiest moments, right? I I knew moving forward that we would always, always recommend the outlet to people, regardless of the risk.
0: That does sound pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's
0: just just kind of talking <laughs>
1: about it gets me like, because <laughs> man, I tell you, I I haven't been that afraid of something ever. I don't think, uh, and it was it was just very nice. It was so
2: nice. I think and I think one of the things to jump to what you were speaking to around the, the standard, Paul, um somewhere where I th- mm-hmm. see it, it's obviously gonna bring a positive impact to things like the, the echo and Google Home and things like that. Um but something that I see that would be really that's gonna bring a lot of good change too is the things like um like pacemakers, insulin pumps. If, they're, if they adopt the same standard. Now, they have improved on some of the models. They have improved the security on some of those things. Um, but if there's a standard framework that these devices are expected or required to comply with in order to secure the, um, like, for instance, the, the connection um, used to manage the device, because obviously if it's an internal device, such as Pacemaker, you can't exactly plug into it. Um, and there have been cases where people right. have been able to uh, modify that, which you guys I'm, I'm sure are aware of. Um, and it, it, something that was brought up by um, Kelly Handerhan in her courses on Cyberry, which are great. If anybody needs a recommendation, those are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, something that she brought up was the idea of you don't really think about the implications of, like, what type of impact those things can have. So if someone modifies the the pacemaker, the configurations on the actual device, and it causes the person to go into cardiac arrest and die, I mean, that's, that's pretty serious. Yeah. And this type of framework will help to, yeah. you know, remediate that to some degree.
1: Hopefully. Yeah. And as long as they adhere to it, right? It's not, yeah. it's not a forced uh framework but for those who are looking to get the certification i think it's a selling point for a lot of their I- iot devices and to your point will likely help yeah. moving forward and hopefully
2: the the level of adoption by you know by companies and providers and everything is um more than you know more than just a few because uh it, it, to your point on the selling the sellability of it if if you're there are multiple certifications and compliance frameworks out there that you need to comply with or that you should comply with if you're looking for extra business or if you're wanting to provide something extra. Um, but, again, they're not required. But if this, I think this will probably start out as something kind of like uh, um, uh, PCI or SOC 2. Yeah, you're certainly not required to have those, but, you know.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> but oh, it gives I you that. And I, brought
2: I brought that. I brought that up today to an intern. <laughs> I really did. Did you and really? Blew his mind. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, really? When I was talking to, I mean, this this really? kid was the experience he had on his resume was mid level developer, not somebody that's in yeah um, college. And his and his degree was actually fine arts, and he was working on his master's. And yeah. he has his OSCP planned. He has like he's like he's like um, the uh, with the guy we work with, Jason, um, with the level of development experience, but also security experience. And so when he starts going through his mm-hmm. things, I said, you know, something that's really important that you just demonstrated is um, when one of my colleagues coined it was the AND factor. And I said, if you compared, if a, if I'm a hiring manager and I'm comparing two <laughs> resumes. And I see this guy, he's got these certifications, and this guy has these certifications, and they match. But this guy has um, that and something else. That and factor is what gets you in. And that's huge. And.
0: Like, and, and six toes <laughs> on his left foot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow, who coined that? Here? Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: Wait, and did you give me credit for something? Oh, my lord. <laughs> Woo! Oh. <laughs> So uh, that's cool. I'm glad you used that. I'm, gl- I'm glad some of my some of my talks aren't just <laughs> in one ear and out the other. <laughs> I'm glad some of the some of the crap I say Paul's to you talking, sticks, and in my head it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I... That's exactly what I think happens about 93% of the time. And then, like, six months later... I had later, a great like, idea. that idea I had about six months ago? And no. I'm like, Jordan, that was my idea. You're like, no, 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 no. Let me go look through Hangouts right now. Damn. And I told you... You're like, damn it, you said this exact thing that you just said you said. Totally your idea. Anyway, now that I'm totally wrong... <laughs> I totally said it. <laughs> yeah, but pretty cool. It's, uh,
2: it's a good experience with a guy.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I like I like I said earlier today. Um, I try to avoid the interviewer process as much as possible these days. It's um, painful yeah and the, the thing is what so the way the way we're operating now is if you accept it once uh you are the interviewer oh, to the foreseeable future cause no one else no one else is saying yes yeah, it's, i promise it's,
2: uh some of these kids are great some of them i mean they're still in school they're still learning it's understandable but yeah that's all i'm gonna yeah. say <laughs>
1: No, it, it's really good, like, especially if you have an intern that's already looking oh, yeah. at the OSCP and knows what it is. Uh, how many people... So, <clears throat> I've spoken to some people in the industry and they don't even yeah. know what the OSCP is. right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, you would hope at least someone in a threat type space would yeah. know what that certification was.
0: You'd think so.
1: But... You know, so sometimes you don't, uh, and sometimes they think that the CEH is the be-all, end-all. No, but that feels more like a um, threat-centered security. Is to... does that does that sound about accurate?
0: Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I have security plus and CEH, and I, CEH truthfully is like security plus plus. It's a lot of the same concepts as Security Plus, with um, knowing how to use some of the tools a little more, like knowing some specific in-map strings, yeah, know um, knowing what Netcat does, you know, yeah. things like that. Gotcha.
2: What's okay. interesting, though, and, and not to stray, but the, what's interesting is in the discussions today. Um, I'm not sure if you're if you know the. Uh, I don't want to say her name on here, but she was an intern last year, and now she's full-time in the in the group that you work with. Um, and she's a um, very nice girl, but she is she said she's studying for her CISSP. And I asked her, um, well, why are you focusing on that from a development standpoint? Wouldn't you want to go from ISC's uh, secure software lifecycle? And she says, I did not know they had that. So now she's um, she's actually gonna study for those. And that was really cool to hear that. Cool. She's like, Yeah, I'm just I'm interested in it. I wanna learn that. I wanna know that my code is secure and I wanna know that I'm taking secure practices into my code and my projects and everything rather than spinning it up and saying, All right, let's do it.
0: And yeah, I think you know who you are. So we've been doing, uh, I, I, we're looking to hire some folks to fill our team out. And I guess we're using this new uh, new tool. And I can't remember the exact name of it. But basically the candidates go on and we can give them a series of questions. And the way it works is it, it records mm-hmm. their answer. video records their answer. So they set it They set up in front of it, make sure they're all framed and everything like that. And when they click go, they've got X amount of time to read the question, and then the recording starts, and they have a minute and a half to get out their answer. And then it cuts off.
1: Yeah, so it's I, think, pretty, I think it's the same up, Yeah, yeah. The same thing that we're using for the interns, right? So it's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: But <laughs> we did, I watched four of them last week, four candidates last week. <laughs> and dear God, one of them was like, you could tell... That during the 15 20 seconds whatever it was that he was reading the question that he was feverishly <laughs> typing in google because as soon as the, as soon as the recording started he's like he's not looking at his camera he's looking down to the right and the uh yeah so uh software controlled <laughs> networking um that is and then yeah it was so bad wow you know, sorry, instead of just sorry, going, sorry to that guy. You know who you are.
1: <laughs> if you're listening, and if sorry. you do, if
0: you do, I'm not doubting that you have a great deal of skills, perhaps in some other area,
1: or but, possibly the Google foo.
0: The uh, the job listing was pretty specific <laughs> as to what we were looking for. You could have done some research there was, beforehand.
2: Uh, one person that we had. Um, that said, they were super interested in security, and they had all these passion projects and all these all this um, what they thought of as proof of their understanding of you know security fundamentals, really. Um, and they, but they weren't really able to give any specific examples. So my response, I kind of put them on the spot, and I said, "Can you give an example of a recent data breach?" um and their answer was uh i think there was something with google privacy recently (laughs) and i said well can you go into more detail and things like that it's 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 interesting it's it's uh i think it's just because this industry does require that you stay on top of things and that you you know stay up to date and you and you're constantly improving your capabilities and you're improving your knowledge and you know in order to make you yeah you have you have to keep that curious. curious Oh
1: yeah, well let then let me mm-hmm. test you, Sir Jordan. Um, give me information on the latest breach that involves PHI. Um we there, there were multiple last week. Uh
2: a good example um the University of Washington uh the University of Washington Medicine. There was, I think, it was somewhere around like nine hundred and seventy fourth I think it was nine hundred seventy-four thousand patients' data was compromised. Um, and the, it's my understanding that the way that that data was exposed was when they were migrating the database that hosted it to the new platform. They failed to. Um They failed to ensure that the new platform new server was um, was hardened and secured before they moved, and it uh, ended up indexing the patient information, and um, someone actually came across
1: it in a uh, Google search. Um, but: so, so Google indexed yeah. the data.
0: <laughs> so it was and it wasn't oops
1: I would, I'd, I'd really like to know how this was set up for <laughs> Google to index it <laughs> because not only is it not hardened it's indexable private information and it wasn't like first name last
2: name it was it was and it was 974,000 by the way um but it was like specific really testing results oh, diseases right. previous insurance carriers um I mean, it was, it's actually a pretty significant breach. Um, And obviously, University of Washington is, is, you know, helping impact the patients and things like that with providing identity monitoring, and we promise this won't happen again, we're sorry, those types of things.
1: (laughs) Wait, so was the original 90, thought to be only 90,000, and then recently they updated it, and... and said that it's nine hundred No, there was another 000.
2: breach that was ninety thousand, and <laughs> it's it from, was from from uh, the same place. Oh, what was it? Let me see. I actually have my turn to find it. I have it up right here. This is from uh, the ninety thousand
1: was from October.
2: There was one that was th- yeah. It was during that time. I mean, um, that it was from October to November, but it had it was not patched until January tenth. I think. Let me see. Oh no, that was yeah, that was University of Washington. It was it was nine hundred
1: seventy four thousand. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. One one was for ninety in October, and then this one they just released in early or late February earlier this week, earlier last week, later last week. Um. To have actually been
2: 974,000.
1: Names, medical record numbers, and other information. Oh, yeah, they they just came out with the final numbers. Same breach. They just came out with the final numbers. (laughs) That's a huge amount. The value of of that data... Wait, so so it's so so yeah, let me, let me add this up. Average cost of a medical record for for any type of organization, regardless of it, whether it being at university, hospital, or whatever, it's about four hundred and eight dollars, right? So without any negotiations, <laughs> we're looking at nine hundred and seventy-four thousand times four hundred and eight. That's like four hundred million dollars in fees, fines, reputational. Uh, no, that's that's not impact. reputational. I
2: mean, that's that. Yeah. Four weight
1: doesn't <laughs> include reputational. Yes.
2: That's just. That's fines. incredible. <laughs> you just.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, but the, you know they're going to negotiate that down significantly. They're like, yeah, can we just pay you like a hundred thousand? Yeah, that's fine. We'll take anything. There was a um, um, a
2: breach last week, too, from a point-of-sale company that, uh, um, I think it was something that was like nine states, that the point-of-sale devices were um, compromised, and it leaked credit card numbers, debit card numbers, CVV codes, names, expiration dates, pretty much everything anybody would need, and it was um, vulnerable for three weeks, and it was everything from... You, you say what?
1: Were we included in that?
2: No, we it, was not, in it, was, it was mainly States? out west. Oh, um, the biggest impact was oh, Dunn okay. Brothers Coffee, I mean, but perhaps. it impacted like um, uh, Holiday Inn, some sports bars. There's a couple of companies, but it, uh, it's just interesting. It, it's almost like I mean, you could you could and I'm, for a while we were you could have a daily.
1: Here are three breaches that were announced today. <laughs> Yeah, it's. You really could. Uh, you could almost a, put out a breacher report. You know, an event, event log that's a cool every day,
0: right? <laughs> did, you, uh, did you see that? Uh, I think I heard it. I don't know. Maybe I read it this morning. That Checkpoint found a 19 year old vulnerability yes, in WinRAR. I did
2: see that, but it's for yes. specific format, isn't it? Yes.
0: I mean, it's yes. for the ACE format. And basically, the, the, you can embed code within the Ace format, and it would execute um, while Winrar... Well, when Winrar extracted, yeah. it could execute the code. Oh, and, and nobody uses Ace. Nobody's used Ace in a long time. But still, a 19-year-old vulnerability.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, so did they go over how they discovered it, like what their process was? Like, to your point, who uses that? And then... Why were they looking at it at this point? Did they find something that was old? They were like, "Oh, let me check out this old hard drive I got."
0: Who <laughs> knows? I, I, I didn't read the actual research paper.
1: <laughs> let me get up my IDE cables. Click, click. <laughs> you know, plug them in. <laughs> wow. Some
2: some people that listen to this if they're if they're younger than I am they're like, "What did you just say? What is that? What what is that?" <laughs> I am the youngest Jordan, you person in you're this young? podcast.
1: It, not by yeah, far, but still, they, not but I title. still have that title. <laughs> you, do have the title. A, uh, you do have the title. There
2: not, was not a not not a breach, but a, a vulnerability with uh, Drupal core that came out last week. That was pretty interesting. That um, it impacted the <laughs> Drupal core. It was their REST uh, RESTful web services, and ba- it it would basically allow an attacker to run arbitrary code. But their solution um, was. Um, disable web service modules and or if you can't like if you can't apply the patches that they released um, immediately to disable web service modules for all your web services and then to disable any git patches get patch or posts requests so disable all of your web your web functionality or or apply the patch um yeah, don't go, exactly, that's don't what I'm trying to say. Don't go internet. on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Take your site down.
1: That's, that's the new information. Don't go on the internet. Just stop. Well, yeah,
2: it was, you could do it every day. You could bring something up every day and have and talk for quite some time on breaches and vulnerabilities.
1: Every day. Yeah, uh, Honestly, though, if, if that's something our audience would be interested in, and I know, Jordan, you have some interest in Potentially doing something like that if that's something that that's being called for. If they want maybe just some text updates on our blog about the most recent breaches. Uh, if you want us to do some segments on that every week or every two weeks, or you let us know, uh, give us some feedback, right?
0: Yeah, I think we could figure something out there.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it is it is very relevant to. To the industry I mean, and it's very relevant to our <laughs> podcast because we always <laughs> seem to end up on breaches so <laughs> i mean not that we're making fun of those people but, but fun of those i people. mean okay. <laughs> we're coming kind of from people yeah, it's, uh,
2: <laughs> it's a shame there was a in in one of the releases or one of the things that we actually released previously there was i kind of went on a soapbox for a second and talked about how they've how data breaches have become Um, an everyday occurrence and really you get to the point and this happens with a lot of things where it starts to it happens so much that it becomes the norm and you kind of get numb you're you're numb to it and you just accept it for what it is and I think that that's what's starting to happen with these Um, and and yeah company people are going to have to start seeing and understanding the importance of security secure practices and, and things like that
1: but the, but they don't, and I don't think they ever will. I really don't think they ever will. As a, to your point, I, it's, people are becoming numb to it. They're like, okay, my data's already yeah, been, been sold been like now. 19 times. How many how many more people can want it? And they yeah. can just go buy it. It's already out yeah. there. You know, <laughs> like at this point, your social security number is pretty much everyone <laughs> else's security number social security number because it's all the same at this point. All the same, everybody's credit score is terrible, right? Nobody has a savings the same anymore. passwords. <laughs> and everybody uses the same password. There's only three percent variation on 20, 20 million oh. unique unique passwords. This is everybody is one. If you ever wanted to understand or understand if you know everybody was connected, high they are. Mind. But it's just password hive mind.
0: <laughs> hey, I have a savings account. It has the full required $5 <laughs> to keep it open. <laughs> and then
1: sometimes the bank charges you $10 to keep it open. You're like, wait a minute, my $5 is in there. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Todd. We'll go ahead and we'll refund that $10. dollars you would be like, no, no, what about the other $5 that was in there? Sorry, Mr. Todd, we won't be able to refund that $5. You're That's the to process, the $10. In there. That's our role like, we're, we're going, going to, to charge you another $10. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: was not brought to you by ISE, Arm, Google, Amazon, Apple, Nest, or Cybrary. But if you'd like to give us some money, our email address is ragemechanics at protonmail.com.